Chapter 19 of Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christine Blashford. Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School by Jessie Graham Flower. Chapter 19 The Great Game. It was a pitched battle from the very beginning. The junior team was in splendid trim, and they played with great finish and judgment, but the sight of Grace, one side of whose face was tinged with blood that had risen to the surface from the deep scratch, seemed to spur the sophomores to the most spectacular and brilliant plays. Only one girl lagged and was not in her usual trim. It was Miriam Nesbitt, whose actions were dispirited and showed no enthusiasm. Her shooting was so inaccurate that a wave of criticism spread over the audience, and the members of her own class watched her with deep anxiety. When the first half ended, however, the sophomores were two points to the good. "'Grand little players!' cried Hippy, expressing his joy by kicking both feet against the wooden walls as hard as he could, while he clapped his hands and roared with all his might. "'The gamest little team I ever saw,' answered Reddy. But David, who had resumed his seat beside them, made no reply. He rose presently and went to find his sister, who was sitting somewhat apart from the other girls in gloomy silence. "'What's the matter with you, sister?' he asked gently. "'You are not playing as well as usual.' I expected you, especially, to do some fine work today. On the contrary, you have never played worse. Miriam looked at her brother coldly. Why should I help them when they have dishonoured me? she demanded fiercely. How have they dishonoured you, Miriam? asked David. By making me last in everything, putting me at the foot, she said, stifling a sob of anger. David looked at his sister sorrowfully. He saw there was no reasoning with her in the present state of mind, yet knowing her revengeful spirit, he dreaded the consequences. Miriam, he said at last, speaking slowly, perhaps some day you will learn by experience that the people who give a square deal are the only ones who really stay at the head. They always win out, and those who are not on the level... He stopped. A sudden suspicion had come into his mind. You don't mean to say that it was you who... But he didn't finish. Instead, he turned on his heel and walked away. In one glance, he had read Miriam's secret. Now he understood that look of wild appeal, baffled rage, mortification and disappointment all jumbled together in her turbulent soul. Did she really want it so badly as all that, he thought, or was it only her insatiable desire never to be beaten? In the meantime, Grace, surrounded by a circle of her schoolfellows, was telling them the history of her imprisonment. Miss Thompson and Mrs. Harlow had made their way across the floor to the crowd of sophomores, Mrs. Harlow to find out whether her daughter's cheek had been seriously cut, which it had not, and the principal to ask a few questions. "'Did it look like a trick, Grace?' she asked, when she had heard the story. "'I hardly know, Miss Thompson. I feel certain that I left the door open when I went in. The janitress may have locked it without seeing me.' "'Perhaps,' answered Miss Thompson thoughtfully. But the rule of locking the larger classrooms after school hours has never been followed that I know of. There's really no reason for it, and it might cause some delay in the morning, in case Mrs. Gunby were not around to unlock the doors. You will have to send a bill to father for all the broken glass, laughed Grace. I shouldn't have been here at this moment if I hadn't done some smashing. Miss Thompson smiled. You were perfectly right to do it, my dear. It was an exhibition of good judgment and great courage. As for the bill, certainly the victim of an employee's stupidity should not be held accountable for costs. But we won't disturb you now with any more questions. You deserve to win the game, and I hope with all my heart you will. There was still a little time left, and Grace determined to improve those shining moments by having a talk with Miriam. Miriam never looked up when Grace approached her. Her dark brows were knit in an ugly frown, and her eyes were on the floor. "'Miriam, aren't you glad I got out of prison in time?' asked Grace cordially. "'I suppose so,' answered Miriam, looking anywhere but at Grace. "'Is there anything the matter with you today?' continued Grace. "'No,' answered Miriam shortly. "'Your playing is not up to mark. The girls are very uneasy. Won't you try to do a little better next half?' 
There was a childlike appeal in Grace's voice that grated so on Miriam's nerves at that moment that she deliberately turned and walked away, leaving Grace standing alone. "'Wait a minute, Miriam,' called Nora, who, with some of the other sophomores, had been watching the scene. "'You aren't ill today, are you?' "'No,' replied Miriam angrily. "'Because if you are really ill, you know,' continued Nora, "'your sub could take your place. Anna Ray can play a great deal better game than you played the first half.' Miriam turned on Nora furiously and was about to make one of her most violent replies when the whistle blew and the girls flew to their places. Julia Crosby and Grace smiled at each other in the most friendly fashion as they stood face to face for the last time that season. There was nothing but good-natured rivalry between them now. The referee balanced the ball for an instant, her whistle to her lips. Then the ball shot up, her whistle sounded, and the great decisive last half had begun. Grace managed to bat the ball as it descended in the direction of one of her eager forwards who tried for the basket and just missed it. The juniors made a desperate attempt to get the ball into their territory, but the sophomores were too quick for them, and Nora made a brilliant throw to goal that caused the sophomore fans to cheer with wild enthusiasm. It was a game long to be remembered. Both teams fought with a determination and spirit that caused their fans in the gallery to shout themselves hoarse. The juniors made some plays little short of marvellous, and five minutes before the last half was over, the score stood eight to six in favour of the sophomores. "'This game will end in a tie if they're not careful,' exclaimed Hippy. "'No, Nora has the ball. She'll score if anyone can. Put her home, Nora,' he yelled excitedly. Nora was about to make one of the lightning goal throws for which she was noted, when, like a flash, Miriam Nesbitt seized the ball from her and attempted to make the play herself, but her aim was inaccurate. The ball flew wide of the basket and was seized by a junior guard. The tie seemed inevitable. A groan went up from the gallery, then a distinct hiss was heard, and a second later the entire sophomore class hissed Miriam Nesbitt. Miss Thompson rose, thinking to call the house to order, but sat down again, shaking her head. They know what they are about, she said, for Grace herself did not know the game any better than the principal. It was inexcusable of Miriam, inexcusable and intentional. In attempting to gratify her own vanity, she has prevented her side from scoring at a time when all personal desire should be put aside. She really deserves it. But the score was not tied after all, for the junior guard fumbled the ball, dropped it, and before she could regain possession of it, it was speeding toward Marion Barber, thrown with unerring accuracy by Grace. Up went Marion's hands. She grasped it, then hurled it with all her might straight into the basket. Five seconds later, the whistle blew with the score ten to six. The sophomores had won. The enthusiastic fans of both classes rushed out of the gallery and down the stairs to the gymnasium. Two tall sophomores seized Grace and, making a chair of their hands, carried her around the gymnasium, followed by the rest of the class, sounding their class yell at the tops of their voices. The story of Grace's imprisonment and escape out of the third-story window went from mouth to mouth, and her friends eagerly crowded the floor in an effort to speak to her. There were high school yells and class yells until Miss Thompson was obliged to cover her ears to deaden the noise. Miss Thompson made her way through the crowd to where Grace was standing in the midst of her admiring schoolmates. The principal took the young captain in her arms, embracing her tenderly. Surely no one had ever seen Miss Thompson display so much unrestrained and candid emotion before. There were tears in her eyes. Her voice trembled when she spoke. It was a great victory, Grace. I congratulate you and your class. You have fought a fine, courageous battle against great odds. Many another girl who had climbed out of a third-story window without even a rope to hold by would have little strength left to play basketball, much less to win the championship. I am very proud of you today, my dear. And she kissed Grace right on the deep red scratch that marred her cheek. She is a girl after my own heart, Miss Thompson was thinking as she hurried to her office. 
Grace has faults, of course, but on the other hand, she is as honest as the day, modest about her ability, unselfish, and with boundless courage. Certainly she is a splendid influence in a school, and I wish I had more pupils like her. It was with difficulty that Grace extricated herself from her admiring friends, and, accompanied by her chums, made for the locker room to don street attire. Now that it was all over, the reaction had set in, and she began to feel a little tired, although she was almost too happy for words. She walked along, dimly alive to what the girls were saying. Nora was still upset over Miriam Nesbitt's lawless attempt to score, and sputtered angrily all the way down the corridor. "'I should think Miriam Nesbitt would be ashamed to show her face in school again after this afternoon's performance,' Nora declared. "'Did you see what David did?' queried Jessica. "'Yes, I did,' said Anne. "'What was it?' asked Grace, coming out of her daydream. "'The minute the girls began to hiss Miriam, he got up and walked out of the gymnasium,' Jessica replied. "'I believe he was so deeply ashamed of what she did that he couldn't bear to stay.' "'Well, he found Grace and rescued her in time for the game,' said Anne. "'That must be some consolation to him. "'I don't see how you got locked in, Grace. "'Are you sure you didn't close the door after you? "'It has a spring lock, you know.' "'I thought I left it open,' mused Grace, "'but I might have unconsciously pulled it too.' "'It is very strange,' replied Anne, "'in whose mind a vague suspicion had taken root. "'Then she made a mental resolve "'to do a little private investigating on her own account. "'When Grace reached home that night, "'she found two boxes awaiting her.' "'Oh, what can they be?' she cried in great excitement, for it was not every day that she found two imposing packages on the hall table, at the same time addressed to her. "'Open them and see, little daughter,' replied Grace's father, pinching her unscratched cheek. The one was a large box of candy from her classmates, the contents of which they helped to devour the next day. The other box held a bunch of violets and lilies of the valley. In this were two cards, Mrs. Robert Nesbitt and Mr. David Nesbitt.' "'Poor old David,' thought Grace, as she buried her nose in the violets. "'He is trying to atone for Miriam's sins.'" End of chapter 19